Welcome to the Birmingham Bible Conference hosted by Glen Iris Baptist Church. We extend an invitation to you to come visit us at 1137 10th Place South in Birmingham. The Monday through Wednesday a.m. service begins at 11 or you can join us at noon each day for the delayed broadcast of the morning service. The evening service begins at 7 p.m., or you can join us for the live broadcast each evening. Returning for this year's Birmingham Bible Conference is Dr. Brian Green from London, England, where he has pastored the Calvary Baptist Church for over 50 years. Dr. Green is a gifted preacher and teacher of the Word of God, speaking in many conferences as well as the director of the annual Highly Bible Conference held in Hertfordshire, England. We trust you will find help and encouragement from God's Word today as we now join the Glen Iris Baptist Congregation for the Birmingham Bible Conference. Thank you. You may be seated. It seems hard to believe that this is our last morning session with Dr. Green coming and preaching to us. And so we want to make the most of this time. And we've been so pleased to have the Greens with us. I, I understand that some of you have had tea with Mrs. Green this morning. And I bet that was a wonderful thing. And learned a new song. And that you'll have to teach that to us, uh, fifth and sixth grade, one of these days in chapel. How about that? Do you think you know it well enough to teach it to us? I think so, don't you? She'll leave us the words, and we'll, we'll hear that and, and learn it and add it to our repertoire. Well, let's greet Dr. Green as he comes. Let's give him a big hand. Aren't you glad he's been with us today? Thank you very much. I'm never greeted in that way before, so I'm pleased to indeed have it. <coughs> and I'm glad you've got a big hand. Uh, it's good to have a big hand, <coughs> uh, but most of us have got small hands. I want to try to speak to you about another character out of Scripture, and this week um, I've been speaking about some of the great leaders of the Word of God. Of course, we've only had a few mornings just to think about them. We could really have had 50 mornings at least to speak about the leaders in the Word of God. But we spoke about Joshua, who was the most successful of the uh, leaders, the most successful leader in the land, of course, of Canaan. And then we saw another one yesterday, didn't we? Who can remember his name? Anybody? Yes, at the back. Samuel? Was it Samuel? Do you think it was? Do you think it was Samuel? What was it? Saul. You got the S right. <coughs> Saul, yes. And But Saul was the most dramatic failure, wasn't he? And we try to challenge you and say, which are you going to be, a Joshua or a Saul? Many people turn out to be Saul, uh, people who begin very, very well and then end so badly, and he certainly ended very badly indeed. Now, I'll try and keep going until 12 o'clock today so that your pastor doesn't ask me all these awkward questions. <coughs> but that would be a difficult thing. I think he's got a big, big ward of questions today, and I don't know what on earth he's going to come up with now, and I haven't a clue, but nevertheless, we'll see what he has in store for us. Um, I hope they're good questions and sensible questions and questions about the Queen's English. I want to try and speak to you this morning about Daniel. <coughs> Daniel is a favourite character of many people and I've spoken here, I'm sure, 
uh, at least once before about Daniel, but I want to speak again about Daniel because I think that Daniel is one of the outstanding characters in the Word of God. So I'm going to read from Daniel and the book of Daniel and chapter 1. I'm just really going to read one verse. And this one verse will summarize his life and we'll keep on quoting it because it's necessary to do so. So it's the book of Daniel and chapter 1 and verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, uh, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You know, that verse really summarizes Daniel's life. He lived a long life. He lived at least 90 years, and perhaps a bit more than that. But he lived 90 years, and uh, we have an account in the Word of God of a considerable amount of those years in the book that he wrote. But I want to try, if I can, to summarize why he said these words, or rather they're said of him. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I think it's true to say that the book of Daniel is a very thrilling and exciting book. Sometimes, perhaps, you may say that some of the scripture is not thrilling and, and exciting. But uh, I certainly believe that this book is thrilling and exciting. We think about the fiery furnace and uh, his companions who were put in the fiery furnace. Remember that? And how when they opened the door, uh, those who opened the door were killed just even by uh, the flames that leapt out. But if you were to look inside, you would see not three but four because one was like unto the Son of God. And we believe, of course, it was the Son of God because the Lord Jesus Christ comes to us, doesn't he, and helps us and uh, undertakes for us even in that sort of situation. And then there's a story about the lion's den. Who would really like to be put in a lion's den? Hungry lions, <coughs> and you're the only meat available in the den. You can imagine the fear that would be in Daniel's heart. But of course we know once again that the Lord had his hand upon him and uh, delivered him out of the lion's den. And again we have to say that that's the story of our great God who is able to help us in times of difficulty and will be with us in times of trial. And then there are many other thrilling and exciting stories in this particular book because it's much, much more than just that. Really, this book is concerned with what we call the sovereignty of God. That means that God is in command and he's in control of all things. And it tells us how God is in control of Israel as a nation, that God is in control of Assyria, God is in control also of Babylon, God is in control of Persia, God is in control of Greece, God is in control of Rome. And all of those really come out of this particular book. Sometimes when we read our newspapers and perhaps you watch the television news, you, you'll say, I wonder who's in control. Well, God still is in control. We may not understand that, we may not realise it, and sometimes we forget it. But we do believe in a God who really is in control. And that's why we use that word sovereign, because he really is the sovereign of all the nations. But not only that, God is in control of each of our lives as well. Oh, listen, we go astray. We do things which are wrong. But God always has us in mind. 
And remember that because God sees everything that we do and he understands every person who is here this morning. And that comes out of this book as well. And what we're really going to try to look at is God working in the life of Daniel. You could speak about God working in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was one of the greatest of the kings. He really was, and we'll talk about him in just a few minutes. Uh, but he was one of the great kings that ever lived. But we understand and we know this, that God was in control because he humbled him and humbled him in such a manner, in such a way, that finally he acknowledged that God was the living God. And we'll see that out of the scriptures. You'll remember that Daniel was just an ordinary boy, <clears throat> and yet, yet he was exalted in his life and uh, brought to a position because he was a revealer of secrets uh, and because the Lord gave him spiritual knowledge. Uh, because of all that, he was put in a position whereby he was in charge, really, of the whole of the land. And God can do that. God can do that in our lives. We may not think <coughs> that we're very much. Our background's not very good, but it doesn't matter. God can take you if you submit yourself and you consecrate yourself to him. Then the Lord can use you and use you mightily for his honour and for his glory. Well, the first thing that I'm going to speak to you about is the recognition of his plight. The recognition of his plight. I hope you can understand my foreign language. And I hope you understand these English phrases <coughs> which you're learning all about uh, after we speak. But if I say anything that you can't, I'm sure your pastor will pick it up and uh, we'll discuss it afterwards. But I want to speak to you about the recognition of his plight, his condition, what was really happening uh, to him. And we look first of all at his position. The book of Daniel opens with Nebuchadnezzar plundering Jerusalem. Thank you. And when he plundered Jerusalem, he took all the vessels and the treasures out of the temple and took them to a place called Shinar. That's in the first few verses of the chapter that we're thinking of. You know that Nebuchadnezzar actually came to Jerusalem three times. He invaded Jerusalem three times. The first time that he went there, he took all the intelligentsia, that's all the very intellectual people, away with him and thought that he would use them in Babylon. Now, Daniel was one of those. So he must have been a very, very bright young man. I think he probably was about 17. And then he came a second time, and the second time that he came, he took away all the craftsmen, all the people that could do lots of menial tasks, but they weren't menial really. They were really crafts tasks. Uh, Daniel uh, already was in Babylon. Then there was a second time. Then the third time he came, he went to Jerusalem because they had refused to pay the tribute money uh, that he had accorded that they should pay him. And so they came to Jerusalem and brought all their soldiers with them and they completely destroyed Jerusalem. That's when they completely destroyed the temple as well. But that was after Daniel was, of course, for many years in Babylon. Uh, we read in the Word of God all about these things, and you can read them for yourself in Chronicles and also in the Kings as well, at least most of it's in the Chronicles. But Daniel was a young man, and uh, most of the congregation this morning are young 
people and therefore whatever we read about Daniel at that particular time really can apply to us and apply to every person here whether you're young or whether you're old but could you imagine that Daniel is taken out of his own land as a young person he's going to a new land he's going to have to learn a new language he has new laws he has a new home, he has a new diet, he has a new name because they give him a new name in this book as well, you'll remember. He has a new education, but he doesn't have a new God because he refuses uh, to bow down to the gods of the Babylonians. And that's a wonderful thing. And that's the real reason why we're speaking about Daniel this morning. He's one of the people who said no and was willing to say no. But where did it begin? Well, our verse says, but Daniel purposed in his heart, that he would not defile himself. And you know, it all begins in our heart, our determination, our decision, that we will say no to the things that are wrong, and yes to the things which are right before God. And then the second thing that you have to think about, Daniel, is the pressures that he has. We all have pressures in life. And what I really mean by that, he had a pressure to conform. It would have been easy for him to have conformed uh, to eating the king's meat and drinking the king's wine. But for a reason we'll come across in just a moment, you will know that this young man said no, he would not defile uh, himself. And he certainly is a wonderful person uh, because of that. Why did he say no to the king's meat? And why did he say no uh, to eating and drinking with the king uh, like he should have done? Well, it was, of course, compulsory that he should be there, and yet Daniel was prepared to say, no, he's not going to have the pressure put on him to do that. You see, the flesh or the meat that he would drink, or eat rather, would be the flesh of swine. And all of you know that the Jews would never eat swine. And here also, probably he was told to eat certain fish, certain fish that was unclean. You go back into the book of Leviticus and you will read about the laws of God, how there are things that the Jews were told they must not eat at all. And yet here in this land, of course, they had no law of God about them and therefore they tried to get Daniel to eat it. But more than that, and this is the most important thing, all of the meat and all of the wine was dedicated to their God. Their God was Bel Merodach. And when any time they ate, they would say grace, just like we say grace, but to Bel Merodach. And because of that, Daniel said, no, I won't eat this that's dedicated to a foreign god, and I'm not going to drink this because it's dedicated uh, to a, a, a god that is not. We have pressures in life, don't we? Every person here this morning has certain pressures, pressures to conform the television ads that come into our home and flash up before us sometimes are pressures upon us to conform and young people perhaps have more pressures than other people perhaps even to tell a lie or to go with the crowd, with the world uh, to do the things which are wrong and you know what that really means we come to church and we listen to the gospel and we listen to the stories about our Lord Jesus Christ and what he does for us and what he will do for us if we dedicate ourselves to him. And then the old devil tries to tempt us through our friends sometimes and through other people. Tempt us to do the things that are wrong. 
But we've got a purpose in our heart that we would not defile us, ourselves. And that's so very important. And if you learn anything more today, my, it would be wonderful. But learn that one thing, one thing, that you and I must not give in to the pressures that we have of life. You grow up a little bit and you have a pressure to drink. And drink will defile your body, there's no question about that. Uh, maybe pressures to take drugs. Uh, that's a terrible thing because you think about all the people who are on drugs today and are slaves to drugs. Uh, pressures to do this or pressures to do that, which you know is wrong and you is right. It's not right to do before God. And if you're a Christian and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you would say with Daniel, you will purpose in your heart not to defile yourself. And so that's the problem. You see, when you come to the problem about this man, you'll see here that the hand of God was upon him. He had a purpose in life. And when you come as Christian, we believe that God's hand is upon us and we have a purpose in life. God has a purpose for every young person here, for every older person as well. We mustn't miss them out because God has a purpose for me. God has a purpose for you. And his hand is upon us. We've been chosen even before the foundation of the world. And yet, the devil wants us to conform with the world uh, and with the flesh and, and with the devil uh, uh, himself as well. I suppose the choice before Daniel was simply this, to conform and to go along with it and perhaps get on very well and become someone famous or try to transform. Conform or transform. And that really was the choice. And I think that's true for us as well. Do we want to transform society? Do we want to make a, 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 a message to this world in which we live, the message of Jesus Christ, the message of full salvation, or are we going to conform and go the way of the world? You see, that's the choice, and that's the decision that every one of us has to make. So we look at his, the recognition of his plight, the second thing I want you to notice here is the resolution of, of his persuasion. Our text again, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Here's a young man who is making a stand for his God. Uh, he had uh, grit and determination, that's what we would say, uh, and, and we understand what it really means uh, because it's hard to do this and I'm sure it was hard for Daniel in his day and age. But he was strong, he was straight in all that he did, and he was single-eyed, single-eyed for the glory of God. We were speaking last night in the service about being single-eyed for God. And you and I are asked to be single-eyed for God, uh, to keep him in mind in everything that we did. And then we're going to look at, first of all, the difficulty of this. I'm sure that this was a big temptation. Here's this big feast that comes along. And Daniel and his friends uh, were invited to come to that feast. And Daniel is there, but it's a big temptation. Food from the king's table. My, you can imagine that. If a president sent down today and said to you, I'm going to send you food from my table. You wouldn't say, no, I don't want it. I'm not going to have it. You think, this is the best food you could ever imagine. The best food that you've ever tasted in all your life. 
And you would say, what a wonderful thing that he thinks about me. And Daniel sits down, and here is the food that comes, but he knows that it's wrong. Why? Because this has been offered to an idol. This has been offered to a foreign god. This has been offered to a god, really, that doesn't exist. And he's not going to acknowledge that god. He's not going to acknowledge these things. He wants to be single-eyed for God. So he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Because if he partook of it, it would be defiling himself. Oh, that we might understand. There was a king there, and the king was one of the great kings of Israel. He'd been taken away captive out of uh, Jerusalem, and he'd been brought to Babylon. And he sat down at the food at the king's table. He didn't object to it. He ate it. He drank the wine. And so here's two people. Jehoiakim, on the one hand, he was the king, and here was Daniel on the other. The one said yes, and the other said no. And I suppose, again, that's the challenge for each one of us here today, because we're faced with a challenge every day of our lives to live for God and to do that which is right in his sight. So what would we be? Where would we stand? What would we do ourselves? You know, if he objected, people would look at him and say, what a fool, what a fool, when the king wants to give you something. And not only that, but when you obey, he'll give you something more. And when he's given you something more, he'll give you a position in life. Uh, and yet you're going to lose all that. But Daniel knew that it's better to please God than to please the king of Babylon. And then the second thing, this wasn't only difficult, but... It was dangerous as well. Nebuchadnezzar was no ordinary king. Probably we'd have to say he's the most famous of the ancient kings or the ancient monarchs. But we understand about his character a little bit because people have written quite a bit about this particular man. We understand he was impulsive so that if anybody disobeyed him he would probably kill them straight away. He was fierceness, fierce in all that he did. He had great pride. He believed himself to be the greatest man that had ever lived in the world. He certainly was the most famous. There's no question about that. And people have regarded him as mad because of some of the things that he actually did. He tried to conquer the whole of the world. And to a great extent, he did that. He really did. People have said that he was blinded by splendor. He thought he'd never, ever die. He would live forever and forever. But he was a mighty warrior. He had conquered the then known world. There's no question about that. But he was an excellent statesman. He was a brilliant administrator. He built Babylon. Babylon was 60 miles around. Could you imagine that? You walk 60 miles around in a circle, and that's how big Babylon was. It had a wall all around uh, Babylon, very, very high. If you came to my country, I could show you how tall it was. I'd take you to St. Paul's Cathedral. That very, very high. And the wall was as high as St. Paul's Cathedral. That is what we're told. Uh, and, and the wall that I had, had a, uh, its width was 80 feet wide. There were eight lanes, enough for eight chariots to race around and they had chariot races around 
1.2 million people actually lived in Babylon. And we understand about the gardens of Babylon, one of the wonders of the world. But with all that splendor and all that good, here was a man who was so arrogant that he made an image, an image of himself, of solid gold. It was 90 feet high and caused people to come and bow down and even worship it. So he deified himself in making a god like that. Now, could you understand a little bit about him? How could you defy this man? How could you defy this great man that he really was? But Daniel says it doesn't matter who the man is, doesn't matter how big he is, doesn't matter how much influence he has in the world, I'm not going to bow down to him. I'm not going to eat his meat. I'm not going to drink his wine. I'm not going to do those things. These are dedicated to another God. I don't believe in that God. I believe in the living God of heaven. And so we see as well that Daniel was determined. There's no turning back as far as he's concerned. He'd made his desire known, he'd given his decision, and he was going to keep to that direction which he had set his heart on. And remember this, that the Bible says his heart was set. That's why in a service like this, we ask you boys and girls, it doesn't matter how young you are, again, or even how old you are, have you really set your heart? Because your heart really matters. Where is your heart this morning? Are you really uh, putting your heart in the right place? And you've said quite clearly that you want to set your heart for God. We speak about nailing your, your colours to the mask. I don't know if you can understand what that means. But when the ships in ancient days used to battle out at sea, they used to go with no masks or no flags, first of all. They'd come to a certain time where they were going to battle uh, the enemy at sea. And then they would put their colours up so that everyone would know that those ships were on this side and the other ships the other side had their colours as well. And so they would fight and they would know who was on their side. I wonder if you've nailed your colours to the mask. And you've said, Jesus Christ is my saviour. I want to follow him. I want to do his will. I want to do those things which are right in his sight. Would you do that this morning? Would you say, I want to be one of those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be one of those who give my heart and life to him. I want to serve the Lord with all my life. And all my life is before me. And if God wills, I'll do anything to serve him and to honour him uh, with all that I do. Would you do that? That's so important. And so we come to the last point. The last point is the realisation that he possessed. Daniel prospered. Daniel was protected. Daniel was promoted. Daniel was blessed in such a manner and in such a way. How could he be blessed? Because God is a God who is alive. He knows all about us. And he can do that which is right. Now, let me show you what I mean. First of all, you see the favour of God upon his life. Look at verse 9 in this first chapter. Now, God had brought Daniel into favour and tender love with the prince of the units. I think the first part of that verse really is it, it tells us what we want. Now, God had brought Daniel into favour. You see, God does that. If you stand for God, God will stand for you. There's no doubt about that. The Bible says, they that honour me will I honour. And God always honours a person who makes a stand for him. Young people, older people, whoever you are, 
listening to my voice today, understand this, that when you stand for God, and when you make your stand known for God, then the Lord will honour it, and the Lord will bless you. You want the blessing of the Lord? Then you go the way of the Lord. And then uh, fellowship as well. We know that Daniel was given wonderful knowledge. Uh, look, for instance, at verse 20. In all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king, in, king inquired of them, he was found, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and all the astrologers that were in his realm. This is, of course, Daniel and his companions who wouldn't eat the king's meat and drink the king, king's wine. Uh, and yet, here they are, they have great knowledge. Let me know how God protected him. You only have to look at the story of the lion's den and realise that he shut the mouths of the lions. He took away their appetite and he made sure that Daniel <coughs> was completely protected. Even the king was worried about him. But what happened? I'll tell you what happened. The Lord was with him. If you turn to chapter 3, we'll read the verses which really happened here. But this is before that which took place. This is when they had the great image. And chapter 3 tells us about the great image. But Daniel wouldn't fall down before that. So we read from verse 26 and uh, perhaps 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. <coughs> and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. That, of course, is why they were put in, in, into the burning furnace, because they would not bow down to the great image that he made. But we go on. <coughs> then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego ye servants of the most high God come forth <coughs> and come hither then Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego uh, came forth uh, of the midst of the fire and the princes and governors and captains and king's counsellors being gathered together saw uh, these men uh, whose bodies the fire had no power nor was an hair of their head singed, neither was their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. When you think about that, that's quite remarkable, isn't it? Not, not even a smell of fire about them. That's because God's hand was upon them. And God promises to protect his children. Nothing can happen to me apart from the will of God. Nothing can happen to you if you're a servant of God uh, apart from what God allows. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's words, and yielded their bodies, uh, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation and, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God than can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. When you read those words, you think, well, this is just a story, isn't it? No, it isn't. It's the word of God. 
It's a true story. It happened. And what happened to them can happen to us. You see, this is the amazing hand of God. This is the amazing work of God. God is real. That's the answer. God is real. And when you think about this, you say, how did they do these things? What really happened? I'll tell you why, because God was real to them. And if God is real to you, you'll dedicate yourself, you'll give yourself to him. And in giving yourself to him, God will bless you and help you as well. So we look at this man. And I want to tell you just a little bit in closing about this man. He was a man of power. Why? Because he put God first. He was a man of prayer. Why? Because he believed that God hears and answers prayer. Never give up on your prayer time. Never give up saying your prayers. Why? Because God hears and answers prayer. He was a man of passion. He believed in putting everything he had into what he did. And you want to be like that? Don't just be another Christian. Be a special Christian. Be an altogether Christian. He was noted for his faith. He believed in God. He was noted for his courage. Why? Because he knew that God would be with him. He was noted for his understanding. God gave him understanding. And God will still give us understanding. He was noted for resolution. That's why our verse was so uh, important this morning. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I would ask you, and as I challenge you today, are you prepared to do that? I know you know the <coughs> verse of a hymn that sometimes we sing, Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose true. And dare to make it known. Would you dare to do that? Because you know the Lord, because you want to serve him, because you want to honour him, and that his name might be glorified in your heart and in your life. May God bless his word to each of our hearts and make us good leaders for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another service from the annual Birmingham Bible Conference here at Glen Iris Baptist Church in South Birmingham. If you would like a CD copy of Dr. Green's message, please call us at 205-323-1516. Again, that number is 205-323-1516. Or if you choose to write and request copies of these messages, Send your correspondence to Glen Iris Baptist Church, 1137 10th Place South, Birmingham, Alabama, 35205. Again, that address is Glen Iris Baptist Church, 1137 10th Place South, Birmingham, Alabama, 35205. Thank you for joining us either on WAY-TV Channel 47 or WGIB Radio the Where God is Blessing Broadcasting Network.